Okay, well, welcome back then to episode I don't know what, because I have no idea how we're going to end up cutting these episodes up. But it is an episode at some point in the in the cycle of, of The Secret of Castro Negro, presented to you by a role players collective from the hallowed audio files of the Apocalypse Players and Grizzly Peaks Radio. And of course, Scott Dawood, who's in just every other Call of Cthulhu podcast out there, pretty much. I think that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get on every single Call of Cthulhu related podcast. So welcome everyone again. Well, I, I suppose we had, uh, we progressed the story somewhat in our last session because you actually managed to get to Castro Negro, which only took six sessions or so, five, I don't know how many. But yes, you arrived in the small and picturesque, let's call it, town of Castro Negro. It's very small, so it's only got a population of about 600, mainly consists of adobe buildings in the southern New Mexican style. I think it's, I believe it is a border town, quite close to the border with Mexico. And you were driven there from Silver City. You were rather, I would say, politely, given what you'd done up to that point, been asked to vacate Silver City and head to Castro Negro in order to avoid being incarcerated by the sheriff. And given a little tour of the town as you arrived, and the driver, who I think his name was Henry, pointed out a few of the landmarks, the Herrera Hotel, which is really the only place to stay in town, the library, the chapel, the changeling, and he also pointed out on a hill, and I actually got this wrong. I think it's a typo in the book. It, it isn't 14 miles outside of town. It's only it's only half a mile outside of town. The large and grand Casa de Diaz, built in the 18th century by the town's founder. You checked in to the Herrera Hotel, where you met a young man, Juan Herrera, who is the uh, proprietor, and he... He rented some rooms to you, allowed you to leave Shatterhand, Jesse's horse, outside in the yard. And then you headed straight to the Changeling Club, unsurprisingly, which turns out to be a speakeasy. And there you you met a couple of interesting characters. Gilbert used his connection with a certain Santiago Villalobos, a local or a regional mob boss of some kind. I'm not sure exactly what he is. Perhaps a customer or a patron of, of Gilbert in his bootlegging operation, his moonshine. Let's production. just say an associate. An associate, yes. And using that connection, you managed to get access to the uh, private rooms without having to pay the membership fee. You were welcomed by Gilberto Diaz, the proprietor of The Changeling. And you also ran into an interesting character with his wild hair and eyes, unshaven face, James Whitlock, the town drunk. And he went off on a, on a wild rant about strange things happening in the area, about sacrifices by the old guys from Castro Negro. And if you, if you got there's, there's way on the wrong nights, you can hear awful yelling and screaming. Why am I doing this in a West Country accent? Why not? And the screaming ain't just having fun. I seen him, and I seen what comes with him. That's what he said. And that, I think, is where we, we left matters. So I'll let you uh, take over control now. Maybe you can quickly introduce your characters. We are missing one of our gang for the moment. He may join us later, I hope. But starting with Scott, why didn't you tell us who, who you are playing? Sure. I am once again playing Lionel Fish, who is a former confidence trickster who worked with Gilbert Gray to help find suitable 
uh, customers for his illicit moonshine. Uh, sorry, moonshine is pejorative for his high-quality liquor. And has since tried to go straight, has been working as a stringer for a newspaper a wire service, and now is finding himself drawn back into a lot of bad old habits. Fantastic. And given that he's your associate, there are a lot of associates in this setup. Dan, why don't you tell us a bit about Gilbert? Sure, yeah. So I'm playing Gilbert Gray. He's a former chemistry teacher turned distiller of the uh, the finest moonshine uh, in uh, New Mexico. No no embalming fluid, no, no creosote, no lead. The finest, cleanest liquor brewed in the uh, highest quality spiral still. And we found out last episode that it was known as the uh, Grey Juice. Grey Juice. It was indeed. It was indeed. Fantastic. Now, another person who, who may have been on the juice or may need to be on the juice is Dom's character, who's had a bit of a turn, hasn't he? Just a bit. So, yeah, I am Dr. Bastian Fleischmann. I am a fully qualified psychiatrist. That is not in dispute at all. Uh, my, quali- my professional credentials are there for everyone to see. Don't have them with me, but uh, metaphorically, they are there for everyone to see. Yeah, I uh, have recently... De- rediscovered a passion for locomotives and automobiles. Any kind of moving vehicle really is utterly fantastic to me. I think it's wonderful. Uh, wunderbar. And I can't really remember exactly why I'm here, but sure enough, it's the getting there that matters, not the destination. So I'm hoping there will be many other vehicles that I will experience before all of this business with our old associate is put to bed. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with me that I have noticed. Although, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure I, if there was, I'd be able to bring my full psychiatric ability to bear. Indeed. Uh, with a perhaps a rectal depressant. Nothing that a long stay in, in an Albuquerque sanitarium couldn't sort out, at least. And then, Joseph, would you like to tell us about your character? My name is Harlan Blake, private investigator. I trained as a lawyer, and uh, after the tragic death, early death of my wife... I'm not going to lie, I went off the rails a little, and I was keen to make a difference. I joined the Pinkertons, and, well, that knocked the idealism out of me. Uh, And after um, 15-odd years hunting down folks across the United States of America, I set up my own business, moved to Santa Fe, and became a private investigator. I just closed a case over in in the East Coast, a little place just south of Arkham. You won't know it. And uh, I popped into Boston, looking some old contacts up, and I found the parents of David Lane looking to find their son missing. And that's what brings me down to Castro Negro. Uh, I hooked up with an old buddy of mine, young, young fella, good looking, good with horses. I let him make most of the mistakes, and I try and clean up. So far, it's not going so well, but might have to change the playbook on that one. But yeah, we've joined forces with three of the best minds in the United States of America. I feel like we're going to crack this case wide open. I'm going to save David Lane if there's anything left of him. Oh, we think he may have been kidnapped. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we got that from the last city we were in. Remind me, keeper of the arcane southern reaches. What was the name of that city that we left to get to Castronegro? Silver City. Silver City. Yeah. No wonder. No wonder I can't remember it. And of course, the, the other missing person was a certain Dr. William Godfrey, who also went missing in, in, in similar circumstances. One thing I will remind you of, as the, the James Whitlock said to you, as, as perhaps as you were leaving, is uh, he was telling you what comes with them and what comes with them out to Shepherd's Barn. And uh, if you don't believe me, if you climb up them foothills, them Shepherd's Barn, see what you think then. 
and he also said, take a gander at the old Diaz vault, and then you'll know it ain't just the drink talking in me. So, the Diaz Vault, Shepherd's Barn. Hmm, interesting. But we'll move on a few minutes because let's say that Jesse did then go to um, rest, put his head down with the horses. He doesn't like to be too far away from Shatterhand. Whilst the rest of you perhaps will go back to your comfortable rooms at the hotel. There's no one about. It's very late. It's perhaps a quarter to midnight at the moment and the streets are deserted. I was going to check in with you, Andy. While Fish and Grey were interviewing well having a, a shot of the gray stuff with whitlock perhaps we'd said good night to jesse and perhaps dr fleischman and i i think i want to reach my arm out and, and just gently touch fleischman's forearm and say say they're dark oh my god sorry 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 about that say they're dark I couldn't help but notice when you were getting off that train earlier you looked like you'd been through something oh yeah yeah i had been through the most transcendental experience of my life. That was the best train ride I have ever had. You know that. You know the Iron Horse had changed America, of course. It has changed me. It has changed me, Herr Blake, on my deepest level. I cannot lie. I am not the man I was in Silver City. I'm, I'm glad to hear it, Herr Fleischmann. Wait, wait, is that is that Jesse coming back now? It's uh, Dr. Fleischmann, actually. Sorry, Herr Dr. Fleischmann. Uh, apologies, doctor. Uh, Dr. Fleischmann. No, it's fine, it's Qualified. Fine. Sure, sure. Hey, Harlan, how's it going? You said you were going to go back to the horses there. You okay? Yeah, yeah. Can you not see them with me? Oh, just take them for their nightly wander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're constitutional. That's good. Yeah, Shatterhands gets nervous, you see, Doc. It's the way it is with a fine stallion. And I, I do the pat on the thick, muscular neck of the fine horse, Shatterhand. The Palomino Blonde that I've hired does look a little puny, I suspect, in comparison. A touch. Jesse... You look like a man who needs to remind us who exactly you are under these stars, these strange, crazy stars that I, I'm looking at. Yeah. Sometimes on a night like this, I think, who the hell are you, Jesse Brown? I feel like, uh, I don't know what came over me. I just had a moment there in the stables, and uh, I just, I feel like I was transported. But I'm, I'm back in the room. Well, back outside. If you're having a moment of absence, you need to t speak to Dr. Fleischman. I can't help you with that. Okay, yeah. Absinthe? Not, not while I'm riding. Ah, so, yeah, as I, as I said, the, the town is empty and the streets are deserted. People obviously do not stay up late in this place, apart from maybe the sound of uh, accordion music coming from the Changeling and uh, maybe some low and drunken singing from James Whitlock. But yeah, otherwise the town is deserted and quiet. So, I turn in for the night, once you've taken the horses for their constitutional, of course, Jesse. We have to be back in the hotel by... Midnight, don't we? Or they said he said that. Well, I preferred, yes, preferably. Yes. Preferred, <laughs> yeah. Unless you fancy a sharpener over at the club. That's what we've already had, Justin. We can't have too many more. We'll be, we'll be staggering blind drunk. I know. I just got a, I got a taste for it now. Maybe I will have some of that absinthe. That's enough of a walk for these guys. Say, Jesse, you're gonna be all right in that that stable there. You carrying a piece? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always, always. I, I know you got the rifle there. Yeah, and. uh... I got me uh, my dad's knife as well, just in case. I've uh, written it down in a list, all of my effects here, just to remind myself. Have Grey and Fish come out, or is it just the three of us at the moment? I was going to suggest that we might just be emerging, and uh, maybe one of us. Grey's looking quite grey as well, but that's partly his medical condition. I'm just saying, uh, Doc, I don't know about you, based on what Whitlock just said, I mean, if we can trust anything the man says... I don't know. I think Dr. Godfrey... Yeah, I don't think we're going to find him alive here, are we? 
I'm getting a bad feeling about that myself. Uh, listen, Blake, Brown, and uh, Fleischman, we need to get back to that hotel, don't we, by midnight. Boy, we got a story to tell you about uh, about that Whitlock, Whitlock character. I mean, he's two sheets to the wind talking crazy stuff about people coming down off the mountain, but I don't know about you, Fish, but it gave me a, me a pretty bad feeling. I think we ought to be uh, in that hotel tonight, at least. The streets are quiet. We must be careful in these small towns. This kind of paranoid rambling is not unusual. Neuroses fester in these small communities. I mean, I don't believe a word of it, of course, but we don't want to arouse suspicion. You know, we, we have a good cover. I think we need to maintain it. We cannot even trust the hotel. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Anyone whose name is the same name as the street they live on strikes me they got a lot of connections. And that's this Herrera fella, right? Uh, I'll stick to the plan. I'm your protection, Doc. And you're the you're the royalty from way out east. That's what we're saying, right? Unless we're going to change that and we're going to go with we're all protected Mr. Gray here because it looks like uh, he can get us into various clubs real easy. This Villa Lobos you're talking about, he opened some doors for us. Yeah, that's, uh, I'll be honest, that's a card I don't want to have to play too often. Uh, it might come back to bite me on the ass. And then we stick with the plan. Me and Jesse are working for you, Dr. Fleischman, and you're the son of some royal son of a bitch. I'm happy to go back to someone's room and have a little conference. But after that, I see we go back to our rooms, we put our chairs under the door handles, and we make sure, uh, Jesse, you take four hours, I'll come down, check on you, and then I'll come back up, check on the others... And then we'll get another four hours. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. If anybody needs some sort of chemical assistance in staying awake... I need, uh... I don't need a rectal suppressant. I don't know if that's chemical, but you keep talking about it. Unfortunately, most of my administrations are rectal. I, I hate to admit it, but my medical condition means I need some sleep, and I need it badly, so... All right, let's get back in there. Let's go. You lead the way, Gray. Uh, I'll help with Fleischman here. Jesse, you've got Gray's back. And, uh, Fish, you're on your own. <laughs> You look like you can handle yourself. So you all head back to the Herrera Hotel. Juan Herrera is there. He's actually waiting with the keys for you when you come in. And he says goodnight to you and locks the front door and then goes back to his private quarters. So, Jesse, if you are going to sleep outside, I think you're going to be out there until morning. <laughs> Maybe he, he, he agrees with you or, or something, makes an agreement with you. I might uh, drag a blanket up, but uh, I've had nights out under the stars before. My priority is keeping our old Shatterhands safe, you know? A lot of horse rustlers in these parts. So, Dr. Fleischmann, one thing I'm wondering, you have this very interesting book in your room, of course, the Unaussprechlichen Kulten. Did you want to peruse it any more? It's full of interesting material. I, I don't know whether that's something you particularly want to do or not. Maybe you feel like it is, or maybe you don't. I think when I get into my room, I look over, I see the book maybe on the bedside table. And I can't remember exactly where I'd got to in the book or even what the book was about. But as I stare at it, all I get the sensation of is steam and this kind of... And before I know it, I'm propping the, the chair under the door handle and I'm reaching for the book. And I'm, I'm sweating as I pick up the book. <laughs> and I sit down gingerly on the bed. That's what an observer would see in my head. I'm sitting, I'm making myself really comfortable on the Orient Express. As I sit there reading, I'm bouncing up and down going, 
completely demented a liveried waiter comes by with a with a cocktail and uh, serves it to you as you sit there through the wall they can hear me saying oh thank you very much oh the service is incredible and at such speeds he says yes sir we we assure you you will not spill a drop so it's been a terrible murder so we will leave you there perusing that and and maybe maybe you'll have learned something more in the morning we'll, we'll have to see but in the dark wee hours jesse mm. You're woken by the sound of, of Shatterhand kind of whinnying, just a, a, a low whinny, as if you've heard this many times before. Yeah. Well, he's a, he's a very observant horse, very good hearing, very good sense of smell. And uh, it's the sound of, of him just being a bit nervous. You've heard it before. Had the same with that uh, rattlesnake in the backyard. Okay, well, I'm going to get up and uh, check around his feet, make sure there ain't no rattlesnakes there, and uh, try and calm him down. And Chatterhand lifts up his magnificent head and he nuzzles you as you as you stand up. There, boy, there, boy. And you see that he's got this slightly nervous look in his eye as he looks to the left and right and flares his nostrils and breathes in, breathes in deeply. What is it, boy? Some children down the well? <laughs> he stamps his foot twice. <laughs> yeah, they're already dead. You're no use at all. I'll have a scan around. So dark. Can't believe I laughed. That's horrific. Sorry. I'll have a scan around and see if I can make out anything in the, the shadows. Is it, we're in a sort of stably bit, right? Yeah, like an inter- interior courtyard. Okay, great. Yeah. So you look around. There's there's no sign of anything or anyone. But you can make a listen roll. Okay, yeah. Let's do that. Let's go. Oh, no. Oh, you failed by one. Ah. Would you like to spend one luck on yes. that? Yes. I think it would be rude not to spend uh, luck. It would be. Come on. It's a, um, maybe you, you're not quite sure whether you're, the, the sound is so quiet. Maybe at first you, you weren't sure you were hearing anything. But you definitely, on second thoughts, and you strain a bit harder, you just hear the distant sound of, of footsteps receding away rapidly from your... You, you're not sure in which direction, though. Ah, uh, Okay. Entrances and exits... Is there an obvious way they might be leaving? It's not in the courtyard. It's actually probably outside somewhere in the in the in the street. And Shatterhand seems to calm down a bit as the sound fades into into nothingness. Okay. In which case, I don't think I'll follow, but um, I'm going to stay awake from then, probably. But uh, yeah, spooky. Something spooked him. He's a brave horse, you know. Takes a rattlesnake or a bear usually, so. And then he, he rests his head back down on the straw and snorts a few times and then and then falls falls back asleep. There, there, boy. And I um, take out my father's hunting knife and I just start whittling a little piece of wood nervously and sit on the hay. Now, the rest of you have an untroubled sleep. All apart from, of, of course, apart from Dr. Fleischmann, who's up late reading. Making train noises. Now, you have the original 1839 copy of... Uh, of Friedrich Wilhelm von Junst's Unersprechlichen Kulten. So uh, it is, of course, all in German. Now, what I would like you to do is to roll me a d20 dice. A d20. A rare usage of the d20 in the um, role-playing system that we're using. Rather exciting. It is... A 12. A 12. Okay. So I don't know what the German for this would be, but I don't know what it is about this particular page, but you're drawn to it in your... As you leaf through, there's this picture of a stark black tree with leafless limbs. And 
there's an explanation of how to command the tree, it says. And it seems to give you some kind of working, well, to command the tree, which seems very appealing to you at the moment. I put my hand on the page and I try and get each finger into a branch. And then I turn to Mrs. Murgatroyd to my left and say, Look, madam, I could command the trees, perhaps. Then we'll find our killer on this train. She clutches her pearls to her chest and says, Oh, Dr. Fleischman, you do have such an imagination. And I embrace her for a ki- another kiss. <laughs> I don't know where, where we're going with this. Cuts to me kissing a, a table lamp. Istanbul, I imagine. Andy, I had mentioned that I might like to take a 4am uh, stroll to go and check on Jesse. Ah. Is there any chance I might have either... Was it your feet walking away? Yeah, well, well, potentially. But I'm, I'm interested, like, if, if I could hear anything from that, from Dr. Fleischman, that might change some things for me, but, you know, it's up to you whether this. You do head downstairs, but it seems like Juan Her- Mr. Herrera has has actually double-locked the door and there is no key, so, so really... You can't really get outside, and maybe maybe that's why you. I head was fully back. expecting that, and I was wondering if there were any windows that I could just slide slide open. You, you want to slide I mean, open? Like, that, I'm, I am that suspicious of like this place is owned by the Casa de Diaz and the Herreras, so I'm thinking no one's safe here. Not at night, newcomers. I don't feel easy, and that's even without all of the information that the others the other two have. I'm just nervous. People have gone missing. Three guys have gone missing, so I'm thinking I'd like to see that Jesse's okay. And I'd like to go up and listen at each of the other three men's doors. That's my plan. So, yes, you find a, a street-level window. You unlock the latch on it. It's got a kind of a, a screw bolt on it that, that keeps it locked. And I carefully put a, a handkerchief over the, uh, the, the lock mechanism. So as I pull the sash window down, it's, it's sat comfortably, but not, you know, so that I'm locked out. Of course. A man of experience. And you head outside, and when you get into the courtyard, you see Jesse sitting with his back against uh, one of, a wooden post with his knife in his hand. I think we, we should do one of the first of our many scintillating scenes of this kind. Jesse? Hey, Holland. How you doing? You all right? Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, someone... Uh, I think someone was snooping around. I was right to stay out here with the horses. Someone was probably looking to uh, rustle old Shatterhand here. He spooked anyway, and uh, whoever it was got out of here fast, but... um. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, staying up the rest of the night, I think. Can't risk it. Why don't you get some rest, Jesse? What, you you take over watching here? No, no, no. I think you'd be all right. Well, I, I got I got four hours or so. That'll do me. No, that'll do you. Yeah, yeah. I'm just making this little uh, spooky puppet. Jesse, don't be afraid if there's a person who walks up behind you mysteriously at any time during your time out here. I've learned that. Uh, Miss Rolyova, nice to see you. You see Miss Rilly over again? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, maybe I didn't get enough sleep. That was... Don't worry, that's just the ghost of my wife. Oh, I see, I see. <laughs> this is one of the most surreal versions of a of a manly conversation I was going to attempt with one of my fellow players that I could ever have imagined. I assume we're talking in metaphors here, but uh, yeah. No, I'll, uh, I'm all good. I feel like I'm having a fever dream. Yeah. <laughs> as long as I'm awake, I'm good. I wish I could quit you. Sometime you should probably talk to that doctor about that Miss Rulliova stuff, because you've mentioned that stuff to me before, and I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you're probably right. Sorry, Harlan. No, listen, Jesse, are you all right? Yeah, yeah. No, fine. There's nothing. Good. I better go in and check on the others. Yeah, you do that. You do that. You see death walking this street. You shoot him down. Huh. You understand? You know me. Ask questions later. 
I, I tip my bowler hat and I head back. That's why I'm such a good investigator. I head back up. Okay. So you do head back up and you listen on the first two, uh, outside the first two doors, outside Lionel's and, and Gilbert's, and all you hear is the deep snoring, <laughs> of course. <laughs> a couple of glasses of grey juice gives you, gives you a very deep sleep. But when you get to Dr. Fleischman's room, you hear one half of, of a rather odd conversation. So you see, it is possible to command the trees. Do you understand, Mrs. Murgatroyd? If I can do it, then our killer could have done it. We are looking for an ordinary weapon. But what if it was a tree that had strangled, for had strangled the colonel? Herr Fleischmann, how could a tree get on the train? Ah! <laughs> you hear a heavy book drop on the floor. My hand instinctively comes up to the door handle, but then I, I freeze just with that last couple of millimetres away from the metal or wood or whatever it is. And I, <laughs> and, and I listen to the, the mad laughing and I just take a step back. I look out of the window. I imagine there might be on the hall still somewhere on the landing. And I say to myself very softly, what kind of hellish place have we found ourselves in? And then I just go back to my room and I imagine just like Jesse, I just sit on my bed. Not going to sleep, looking at the window, looking at the door. I put the chair against the door until eventually I do just lie back down and close my eyes. But I'm my hands on my gun as I go for the second. So, Doctor Bastian, the morning arrives, and we will see whether you do indeed know how to command the trees. So, you must roll a hard intelligence roll to see whether you have absorbed the arcane learning from this tome. Oh, no. Oh, dear. No. Terrible. It's too abstruse. The language is perhaps not clear. Some of the terms are unknown to you. But uh, maybe tomorrow you can have another go at it. Yes, it feels just out of reach. If only. If only. If only. Well, there's no point being depressed. So I give myself a, a little phenobarbital and, uh, and an amphetamine chaser and head down for breakfast. Well, indeed, breakfast is simple. It's a New Mexican breakfast, so it's refried beans and eggs mm. and hash browns. Nice. nice, nice solid breakfast. There's a strong and plentiful black coffee being served up. And you're perhaps a bit surprised to see um, James Whitlock sitting there quite early. Perhaps it's the fact that his breakfast is accompanied with a quart of whiskey. Has he slept at all? He looks like he hasn't slept in about a week. I lean over to him with my completely bloodshot eyes, and, my, and with a shaking hand I say, ah, Drinking at breakfast the first sign of addiction? <laughs> you ought to be careful. He says, oh, It's all I can do to keep those, those pictures out of my head, mister. <laughs> it's not all you can do. And I, <laughs> I offer him a card. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Bastian Fleischmann, psycho-psychiatrist. 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 <laughs> That's what it says. And he gratefully accepts it, and then takes another deep swig from his whiskey, bo whiskey bottle. So, you are all gathered then, having your refried beans and eggs and black coffee. Some of you need it more than others. Yeah, I'm tucking straight in. So, uh, you fellas found something out. Have we, well, have we shared all our information at this point? 
Not really, but... I don't know whether Dr. Gray said anything on the way back, but Lionel was, was very uh, closed-mouthed on his way back to the hotel. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no reason to keep any of it secret, so whatever's... If it's easiest to assume that we've been over it last night, I don't mind. But equally, we could we could be having that conversation now. I think I think going over it this morning probably uh, probably makes more sense, because I, I mean, certainly Lionel was too shocked last night to... Yeah, really want to talk about it. Even now, Lionel's just sitting there pushing his eggs around his plate a bit and not really eating. Pardon the pun here, Mr. Fish, but you looked a little green around the gills last night. Couldn't help but notice after that conversation you planned to have with Whitlock, you and Mr. Gray. No offense meant to you, Mr. Gray. You looked like your kidneys were troubling you anyway, so it's hard to tell with you. But, um, something you want to, uh, talk about? You said something about the mountains. People coming down from the mountains, Mr. Gray. What about you, Mr. Fish? Is Whitlock still there? Sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm doing that like that. Over the beans, over the refried beans. I pass the refried beans and I say, I'll stop my declamatory voice and I'll say, you got anything you want to tell us, Mr. Fish? Maybe over a little uh, stub of tobacco out on the front porch? I think there's a lot going on in this little town. I think that's wise. I think we should uh, finish up our breakfast and step outside. Yeah. They found him. They found him, boys. They found him. What can we do? The MIBs. Just like Fish says, there's a lot going on in this town. And I, I look over and I, I see Whitlock sort of pick up his plate and leave his table, perhaps. And uh, and say, yeah, our friend over there um, told us some, some crazy things about outsiders disappearing from this hotel. Or at least it sounded like that's what he was talking about. Yeah. I don't like anything about this town. I think not only are we potentially in danger, but I don't know. I think we're here chasing a couple of dead men. We seem more and more likely. Yeah, that that is possible. But it is perhaps not just the men that we are chasing now. That book I have been reading that came from this town suggests that there is some kind of appetite here for the esoteric, and I would be very keen, before we give up entirely on our investigations, to speak to the proprietor casually, discreetly, just to find out how successful his business is selling these kinds of books in such a small town, or how he even got his hands on this book in the first place. It is unusual. That's not a bad idea. The other thing Whitlock told us was... He hinted at some strange practices that take place out at the uh, shepherd's barn. Uh, that's why I was reluctant to maybe stay out for too long last night, but... Something about the trees? No, he didn't mention the trees. Fish, what were you going to say? Yeah, he said something about the Diaz Vault as well, whatever the hell that is. I reckon that's got to be, I don't know, something up in the Diaz house... Well, I was I was hoping it might be a bank vault, but I've got this funny feeling this morning we might have to be looking at the cemetery to find the Diaz vault. You mean a mausoleum? I mean, these old houses, right? These old family houses, don't they... Uh, they often bury the people on, on the family grounds, don't they? They might have a plot up there in the house. Yeah, that's true. That kind of vault. You did all notice uh, a quite extensive cemetery in front of the chapel in in the town square as well. Just FYI. Well, I will go to the 
the bookshop. Anyone is welcome to join me. But perhaps while I'm doing that, it would be an opportune time to just check the cemetery to see if there are any further clues there. If we do have to gain access to a mausoleum on private grounds, then I can simply say that I am researching my family history and would like to have a look. They can surely not object to me looking at some old tombs. Sounds like a good plan, Doc, but I'm going to say this. I don't think anyone moves around this town alone unless they have to. Agreed. Yeah, I'll come to the bookstore with you, Doc. i got some interest in these things. I, I wouldn't mind checking out what they got anyway. All right. But however we divide ourselves, watch out for the trees. I say cryptically and then go back to my coffee. I raise two eyebrows very deliberately at Grey and Fish in a sort of... Have you seen this kind of thing before from him? <laughs> but in a way that suggests... It's not the kind of expression I've used before. And I've got my bowler hat off for the first time in about seven hours, so... Yeah, Fish just gives you a very weary look. <laughs> I nod back. I, nod back. I don't know from esoteric, so I'll happily go to a cemetery with you. Okay, so Flesh and Fish will be going to the tomb. Fish Flesh. Now, I think Brown and Grey can go together, not that it wants to get too... Cluedo down there. So I'm thinking Blake might head with Flesh and Fish. Okay. So, so, because the cover is, I'm his bodyguard, right? So I'm, I'm saying, you know, Brown deals with the horses. I'm your bodyguard, Dutch Fleshman. So you can't go nowhere. This guy knows his books. That's great. You two go in. I'll just hang around outside, making it look like I'm mean for people not to kidnap you. You know, see, see what I'm saying? Sounds wonderful. And I guess, Jesse, you're going to have to do the same for Mr. Gray, but I think Mr. Gray can probably handle himself by the looks of his uh, jaundiced and enlightened eye. I can handle myself, but I'd be grateful for uh, Jesse Brown's assistance. Uh, I'm feeling sluggish this morning, and I sort of take a swig of coffee and grimace. Yeah, back here for lunch? Here by lunch? Is, the, is that, Does that sound like a plan? That sounds like a plan. Yes. What you're yet to realise is that every single meal is refried beans and eggs. <laughs> but you'll find out soon enough. I'm glad we're not sharing a room. So Blake, Fish and Fleischman head to the tomb. As you approach it, you do marvel at that such a obscure and arcane little shop could survive in such a small town. I mean, there's only one church for a start, and there's an occult bookshop. And it is, it's another one of these charming little adobe buildings. As you approach, you, you see in the, in the front window, alongside a statue of a Balinese temple guardian demon, is a sign which states in Gothic hand lettering, the tomb, proprietor Filippo Diaz. And you push the door open and head in. Doesn't seem like there's anyone in there, but it's cluttered with strange artifacts. A remarkable array of arcana in there. Yes. Oh, hello. Yes, yes. There are many things of interest inside. And the rather peculiar thing, and, and this is obvious, none of you need to make a roll for this, is that nothing in there speaks to Native American art or sculpture. Considering it's in New Mexico, it's very odd. It's mainly, it seems to be mainly oriental, in fact, or, or, or things from places that you, you can't quite pin down the origin of. You can all make, so there's three of you, you can each make two spot-hidden rolls just to see what you, your eyes land on. So Lionel manages to spot one thing. I got a hard and a, f and a fail. So the first thing that Lionel 
you, you're drawn to this. The, the first thing you see in there, immediately you're drawn to it, is a collection of six weird little pagan statuettes. They're arrayed on a table. Each is around six inches tall and made of a smooth greenish stone. And as I said, it's they're, they're quite clearly of oriental origin. But there's something peculiar about them. They seem to be of mythical beasts or anthropomorphized animals. Maybe deities, minor deities or something like that. Now, do you have... I, I don't think you do. I don't think anyone does, uh, apart from perhaps Fleischmann. Do you have any Cthulhu mythos? I don't think you do. Oh, God, no. No, you got zero. So, yes, these just look like... You can't quite pin down what what region of, of the Far East they come from, but perhaps Balinese, like the temple demon guardian, temple guardian demon in the front window, but they're very, mm. very singular. Yeah, I'll certainly pick them up and take a look. Yes, they're heavy and intricately carved when you pick them up. And you do get this slightly queasy feeling in your stomach when you hold them. You're not sure what it is about them, but there's, there's something... A little bit off about them. Maybe it's the the oversized teeth in the mouths and the slightly asymmetrical cast to the faces. Well, have, a, have a read of the inscriptions while you're there. Have, have a pop <laughs> out loud. Yeah. They're probably phonetic. Read them out loud. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Is there inscriptions on that? No. What am I? Okay. I blow on the whistle loudly. Yeah. So, Bastian, you made one hard success. So, so you actually, you actually find two interesting things. And maybe it's your current obsession. You do zero in on two books. You're, you're becoming somewhat of a bookworm. Like Fred Dibner's Age of Steam or whatever it's called, something like that. And Thomas the Tank Engine. Michael Portillo's Hundred European Railway Journeys. Signed by the author. It's unique. It's so special. It's come through a wormhole. One of them is, an ancient Latin text, untitled. And the other is called The Dark Angel's Kiss and appears to be a book of poetry. And you are, you are drawn to them. Would you care to browse? Absolutely. Yes. Which one do you want to open first? Dark Angel's Kiss or, or the Latin the Latin volume? I think... Ooh, do I have any Latin? That's the question. Someone does, but he's not there. I'll, seeing as I don't really read Latin, I'll flick through the Latin first to see if there are pictures, mainly of trains. Oh, there definitely are. They can't do any harm. <laughs> there definitely are pictures in it. Even though you can't read the writing, it appears to be some kind of guide to cannibalism, complete with horrendously graphic illustrations, which almost make you gag when you see them, because they describe in exquisite graphic detail how to kill, butcher, prepare and consume the flesh of humans. And you do actually need to lose some sanity for seeing that, as, as if you're not already fucked. Uh, so roll a d... I think this means you're going to have a bout of madness, doesn't it? Yeah. And what a place to have it. What a great place for it. Exactly. He needs a bodyguard. He needs a bodyguard. <laughs> so roll a d3. Roll a d3. Uh, d3, you say? Yes. Yes. He needs a chaperone. Of sorts. Oh, do you want my, do you want my sanity roll first? Uh, no, no, this is automatic. <laughs> oh, right, great. I think he needs a conductor. So just roll a d6 and we'll halve it. Okay, well, you only lose one sanity, but it is enough to give you a bout of madness because you are you are indefinitely insane. So let, let's just roll the dice here. If you hit the real-time bout of madness button... 
Oh, wow. Bear madness, real time. Paranoia, of course. Of course. This is your metier. So for the next two minutes, you're going to be intensely paranoid about the motives of your companions or, or, or something equally or something equally entertaining. Okay. So, so describe what happens as, you, as you're looking through this book and seeing these absolutely vile pictures. I slowly lower it. And I think to call out to the others to say, my God, look at this, but I don't. I stop because I see Lionel Fish handling in some kind of perhaps ritualistic manner this utterly grotesque idol. <laughs> and I realise they know more than I do about this stuff. He said, he said, he said he has an interest in this kind of stuff, which is why he asked to come with me. And I, I turn, I find Blake, I find Harlan Blake, and I, I bundling him into the corner. Blake, 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 Blake. Come with me quickly. Get right into the corner with him. Yeah, sure, Doc. What, what is it? Keep your eyes on fish. He's up to something. Uh-huh. You heard him this morning. He said he said he had an interest in this stuff. I did not know it would be so satanic in here. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty far out in here. I'm not going to lie. I got some kind of eastern vibe going on. Listen to me. Sure, sure, yeah. Forget about the eastern vibe. Literally the most seventies thing I could have said in nineteen twenty-nine. I have no idea why it came out. I'm so sorry. You don't remember the 1870s. 1870s? I was... Yeah, my dad used to talk about them. Listen to me. This morning at breakfast, Mr. Herr Gray said that uh, the conversation with the drunk, it was all about uh, there's things going on in town. Doctor, doctor, that's actually hurting my arm. Could you just... Oh, sorry. ...lessen the grip a little? Thanks, thanks, thanks. Seems to me, he said, they come for the outsiders in the hotel. Why did we survive the night? Because one of us, one of us is working for them, one of us... There is a cuckoo in the nest. Sure. Sure there is, yeah. And then I point at Lionel Fisher across the room and go, Cuckoo! Cuckoo! Lionel just gives, gives a half-hearted little wave back and goes back to staring at the, <laughs> at the carving. <laughs> and then I turn back to Blake and go, Did you see that? Did you see that? Like the tree in the book. He tried to kill... He tried to kill the owner of that book. Set fire to his house. Made it look like an accident, but it could have been a ritual attempt at murder. Foul black magic. Doc, I feel like I'm quite a long way behind, but it's going to be okay. You, uh, I can tell you've been through a lot. Let's just stay on focus about what we came in here for, right? You might be right about fish. Yeah, we need to get as much information. Think of it like a card game. To speak to the proprietor, there is no proprietor. Liner Fish is the proprietor! I Chris, why don't you talk to the proprietor for a moment while I, Dr. Fleischman and I are going to take a cigarette on the porch, on the front porch out here. We'll be right back in. I promise you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And Fish delicately puts the, the little carvings back, except now they're all facing away from him. And in that interchange, Harlan, as you were kind of manhandled into the corner... Your hand sort of was resting on a on a shelf, and when you look around, you see it's it's just nestling next to an odd statuette of a rat-like being standing on its hind legs. It's about a foot tall and made of baked red clay, extremely detailed and well made. And the thing that makes you feel a bit nauseated as you look at it is that the face of this rat-like creature is entirely is is eerily human and looks at you with almost a hungry look in its eyes 
And uh, you actually need to make a sanity roll for seeing that, Mr. Blake. For a second, I thought you were going to say it was made of bacon. And for some reason, that's much weirder and more disturbing. I thought you were going to say baked beans. Made entirely of bacon. <laughs> so everything else is refried beans everywhere. I thought it was going to be made of baked beans. Wrap made of dried bacon. Oh. Santi, here we go. So please tell me, given the material, that this is called reddish brown Jenkin. Yeah, nice, nice. That's a fat fail, isn't it? That's a fat fail. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you only lose one point of sanity, but I would like you to do something involuntary as a result of yeah. losing that one point. So as you see this 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 hideous rat thing staring back at you from its deep set red eyes, almost the eyes are almost redder than than the clay itself. What do you do? I think I mean it's it's awkward for the group, but I feel like the instinctive thing to do is what I want to do is back away from it, so I wonder if he just grabs it, um, sort of picks it up, and maybe just licks it or something to see if it's... It's like for a split second he thought it was made of bacon, and he wants to check that it's made of... Is it made of bacon or is it made of... And, you know, he didn't sleep so well last night, right? And the doc's gone crazy, and clearly Fish is half mad anyway, and it sounds like he might have burnt something down. So I, I pick it up and I lick it. I lick it right across the face. And as you, as you lick it, a voice whispers in your ear... Any breakages must be paid for, sir. And you suddenly realise there's this tall, gaunt, weird-looking fellow who's just been... He probably was just hiding behind a stack of shells on one side, and he just he just crept out without any of you noticing it. Maybe. And any, any of you noticing him? Pointing at the sign saying, No licking the rats. <laughs> no licking the rat statues. Yeah, no, of course. I just... Oh, real sorry. He's tall, gaunt and old, and he has... Green eyes, very green eyes, but grey hair, maybe. Well, maybe it was black at one point in his life. And he has this sort of slightly crooked smile plastered to his face as he says, It seems like some of your friends are finding these objects of great interest. Everything's for sale in here, sir. Everything. Doc, I say, with a gesture. Ah, uh, are you the proprietor? I am indeed. I am Filippo Diaz. Pleased to meet you. I see you have picked up the two most uh, interesting tomes we have. Yeah. Yeah. I also have another of your tomes. And I pull the book out of my doctor's bag. Did you sell this to someone, sir? You remember it? Uh, well, I'm Curtain. Uh, I, I beg you, do not swear in, in, in this shop. Uh, it is possible. Uh, it is possible. Uh, maybe. I see. And I put it back in the bag. We have many. Uh, our stock moves very quickly, you see, sir. Sometimes it's hard to keep track really? of everything that passes through my hands. Well, fish will wander over as well and say... Yeah, pal, but you'd remember this one, wouldn't you? Because I, this one costs hundreds of dollars. Everything is has a price, sir. That those those little statuettes you were holding. You might be shocked to hear they're fifty dollars per piece. I look between Fish and the proprietor, and I turn to Harlan Blake and say, "What an unconvincing piece of theatre." I try and nod, but I, I just try and walk slightly over to between the two of them, the door, and just I'll just gently sweep the jacket, the long jacket away, and lean on the Colt 40, the Army Colt 45 on my thigh, and say, 
you two talk to the gentleman here. I'll watch the door. But I'm trying to sort of nod to both of them in a inculcating manner, but not necessarily in agreement with Fleischman. I'm very happy to do some kind of role of acting, maybe. 1% acting. Uh, or persuasion. I don't know. It's like, I'm trying to sort of say this is fine. It sounds more like intimidate to me. I don't know. I could intimidate the room. Should I try intimidating the room? <laughs> so it's like, and maybe right at the end I say, whatever happens, I'd hate for this to go south any further. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'll do. Okay, make an intimidate roll then. <laughs> if your roll 20 is... is Come smoking. on, roll 20. Don't fail me down now. The classic delay. Intimidate. Wow. Extreme success. Oof, you got an extreme success. The room is very intimidated. Yeah. <laughs> All the statues start quivering. <laughs> well, Fish was already unhappy about being here. He's now even more unhappy about being here. And Filippo Diaz, he looks over at you, Harlan, and he says, I do not want any trouble. This is a quiet place, quiet town. No trouble. Sure, quiet enough to keep statues worth 50 bucks a piece lined up on a shelf. That ain't common in these parts. My associates here will deal with the rest. And I nod very encouragingly to fish this time, not to Dr. Fleischman, in a sort of, please God help me, open eyes. My eye, my eyebrows are wide again, like they were at breakfast. And I glare at you with intense suspicion. <laughs> exactly. But you must remember something about this, Mr. Diaz, about this book. You, you've got to remember something. You've, or you've, does the name William Godfrey mean anything to you? William Godfrey. William Godfrey. Maybe, maybe most of my business is mail order, you see. We have clients. But I don't know. But Dr. Godfrey might have come down here in person. He was only up in, I was about to say Silver City, but it wasn't. It was Albuquerque, wasn't it? Albuquerque. Yeah. Yeah, he was only up in Albuquerque. He might have come down in person. No, oh, very possible. Very possible. People do like to visit from time to time. Yes, 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 yes. I tell you what, why did you let me look in my log book? Uh, my accounts book. It's uh, just in the back. Uh, if you give me a few minutes, I will I'll go and review. Uh, when do you think this item was purchased? My memory just isn't what it was, you see. Maybe a few months ago. Very well. Now, please, look around the shop at your at your leisure. Everything is for sale, but you buy it at your own risk. And then he heads into the back of the shop. I instantly start licking everything. No, no, I don't. So he heads into the back of the shop and uh, leaves you alone in the in the front area, in the showroom. With the layout of the shop... Would it be fairly easy for me to skulk around the doorway to the back room that he's just got to and try to s just check that he is doing what he said he's doing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would say you will need to make a stealth roll to do it unobserved. But given that it is a very crowded and cluttered shop, I'll give you a, a bonus dice on that. So uh, do you want me to roll for you? Oh, please. Yeah. Oh, you're actually quite stealthy. Look at that. Goodness me. Hmm. You've actually made a quite a useful character for once, Scott. You can do things. Oh, but I rolled terribly. I rolled really badly, I'm afraid. Uh, I rolled a 79 and a 91. So maybe as you're circling around the back, the clutteredness, whilst it was giving you some cover, you, you do actually bump into one of the overstocked shelves and a few few items rattle around. And you see he is there looking through the book and he, he looks up and he says, 
can I help you? Uh, sir? I, sa- I said I would be a few minutes. Uh, there's nothing of interest back here except my books. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just had something else on my mind as well. I'll say, and I'll come in to the room and just walk up beside him and say, yeah, this is probably, I don't know, too ordinary for the kind of specialist stock you got here, but you got any books on spiritualism? Ah, oh, certainly, yes, yes. But right now, perhaps not. We sell most of those to the library, you see. They, they have an extensive collection there. But you see, I'm only passing through town, and I'm, I'm looking for books I can take away with me. I mean, your library, I'm sure your library is great, but I'm looking to buy stuff. And I'm basically buying time so I can look over his shoulder at the book and try to <laughs> try, just try to check to see what it is that he's checking. Okay, I'll let you make another spot hidden roll then. Okay. So I will roll that for you. Oh, success that time. You've got a 40 out of 45. So you see him rather clumsily and rather obviously flipping the page over, but you managed to see just before he did that that there was, in fact, an entry with the name Godfrey. W. Godfrey. And he, he slams the book shut and he says, No, I'm sorry, there is no record of a William Godfrey, you said? No, no, no. no. Terribly sorry, terribly sorry. Well, it was a long shot anyway, but yeah, let, let's go back and, and take a look at these books on spiritualism, shall we? I mean, show me what you got at least. Uh, it is a very meagre, very meagre collection, sir. And I'll do the whole amiable thing of putting an arm around his shoulder and sort of guiding him through his own shop. And I want to try to use sleight of hand to pocket the book while he does that. Wow. Oh, okay. Like, just kind of slip it down the back of your trousers or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I will roll a s- another skill that you are good at. Let's see. I know. It's, it's almost like I knew what kind of character I wanted to play. Well, mm, I rolled a 72. You got a 72 out of 60. Would you care to spend 12 luck on that? Or would you like to push? Or would you like to push? I the- think it would be funnier to find a way of pushing it. So let me describe what happens. Uh, you put your arm around him, and he seems to be not the kind of person that particularly enjoys physical contact. His bony shoulders flinch as you put your arm around them. And as you make a grab for the book, a rather sly grab for the book, he's sort of turning to you to shrug you off. So what do you do? Oh, God. The idea that came to mind is as he turns, I mean, as we're pretty much face-to-face now and he's turned, I'm going to look a bit queasy. And I think after drinking all that grey juice last night and and refried beans for breakfast, I'm just going to let rip with the most terrible-smelling belch into his face and then suddenly get very apologetic and use the distraction to try to actually grab the book. Okay, wonderful. Well, I will roll that push roll, and I'm really hoping I fail this, but um, let's see what happens. So am I, actually. (laughs) Oh, what a shame. What a shame. What a shame. Uh, That is a pass. That is a pass. So you you let out this belch that could strip paint at 10 feet, and there's even a bit of, perhaps a little bit of vomit, a little bit of uh, acid reflux. (laughs) I think I'm going to end up having to wipe a little bit of bean away from my face afterwards with my sleeve. Refried and regurgitated. Fucking hell. And he recoils in he recoils in horror, puts his handkerchief in front of his face, and he says, Sir, that is disgusting disgusting. What Oh, I'm I'm really sorry. I I yeah, I'm not used to having beans for breakfast and between you and me I had one too many drinks in the changeling last night. Oh, I am sorry. 
He says, could you please get out of here then? I, I, I must go and wash my face. I think I have some a bean stuck to my chin here. Is that a bean? And then he, he starts shooing you out of his office. Oh, okay. While they've been in the office, could I have... I, what I want to try and do is pinch both of those books I found. <laughs> Just before Dominic does that, as his character, never before have the faces of my fellow Apocalypse players ever shown such deep understanding of of a moment of, of gastric horror, which indicates to me that all three of you deeply understand what just happened. It's not alien to you at all. Oh, it was a visceral response I had to that. Yeah, it's like it's all just so much grist to your daily mills, isn't it, gents? Anyway, there you go. Not so much role-playing as just another day on the farm. Uh, but apologies, Dominic, yes. Blake is just watching, nervously, waiting to see if Fish gets out alive. Well, given that you had all the time in the world, I will say, yes, you can easily just put them into your doctor's bag. And the question really is whether he noticed it, whether he notices that they're gone when you leave. I suppose that is really the germane question. But he comes out and you see he's he seems to be virtually chasing Lionel Fish out of the store saying, I think I need to. Yeah, he's washed his face and he's chasing Lionel Fish out of the back room and he says, I I think I need to close up early today. I'm not feeling very well. Please, would you all leave? Please put down those things. If you wish to buy them, you can come back later. Everything will now be uh, is available for sale, as I mentioned, uh, at the right price. Now go. Sure thing, sir. Sure thing. Yeah, and again, I am really sorry about that, sir. He doesn't look like he believes you. <laughs> I let the other two go first. If Fleischman looks like he's done with his business. I don't know if he's done it so carefully that I've not even seen, but... I'm muttering, as I leave, I'm muttering, saying, you can tell he runs a monopoly on occult bookshops in this town to talk to customers like that. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I show one last sweep of the coat to show the gun as I leave, just so that it's on the right-hand side as I'm going, and I say, you have a good day, and don't go talking to anyone too quickly about us visiting, right? He just squints a bit, and he says, I'll keep my own counsel on that, sir, as he slams the door behind you. Well... And I'm going to roll a hidden roll, GM roll, which you will not know the outcome of, to see whether he noticed the disappearance of his two prize books. Well, as I said, it's a hidden roll. So, yeah, you've got away scot-free, Dr. Fleischman. You feel the, the satisfying weight of your, of your stolen books. Ethics is something that happens to other people. In your medical bag. Meanwhile, whilst all this was happening, Jesse and Dan... You stroll across to the churchyard in the central square. Well, I'll be riding old Shatterhand. It's only about 40 feet. Irregardless. I don't let him out of my sight. If it's more than five feet, you're riding. Should we just make that assumption yeah. from now on? <laughs> so there's a hitching post outside the church where you can... Unless you want to ride Shatterhand into the churchyard, into the graveyard. Yeah, I'd like to. Really? Is, yeah. that, is that really respectful? Hey, hold up there, Jesse. I, I think we uh, we don't want to draw undue attention to ourselves. I know you you like your horse, and that's none of my business. But uh, I don't think anyone rides a horse. Don't like the way you said that, Mister. No, I didn't think you would. No one rides a horse into a churchyard. I know I'm not a particularly religious man myself. Hell, I'm not a religious man myself at all. But a lot of people around here are. So I'm just going to strongly suggest you leave Shatterhand or whatever the hell that horse's name is tied up outside. Well, all right, Mister. Do I make myself clear? Yes, teach. And I, uh, I help off and I wrap it, wrap it up and I say, uh, is it professor or teacher or what do I call you? You could just call me Gray. 
Okay, Gray. Let's go. So you tie up Shatterhand and... Some burgeoning friendship, I can tell. The cemetery is, is on the west side of, of the chapel. The chapel itself is a, is a large adobe building with a tall bell tower and stained glass windows. It looks for all the world like an old Spanish Roman Catholic church. But there's something a little bit run down about it. The adobe is sort of worn through in certain places and you can see some of the the straw and wood underneath and maybe a few of the stained glass windows are missing a pane or two. Yeah, Gray, you said there was a lot of religious folks around here. It doesn't look like they take much care of their uh, house of worship. Yeah, I, I take your point. The graveyard itself isn't very large and is somewhat overgrown. Looks like, again, it hasn't been cared for very well. Yeah, should we see if we can find a family tomb for the, the Diazes? It ought to be the biggest, I should think. It might be inside the chapel, but let's start outside. Yeah. Can we see any mausoleums dotted about? or Not on the outside. There's just tombstones. Inside it is. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, if you wanted to look around the graves, of course you can, but, or you could head straight in. I think... Uh... I don't know about you, Teach, but uh, if it's this vault we're looking for, we may as well uh, head straight in. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Is there anything you're hoping to see? Just so we're on the same page here? No, I I don't know. It's just one of the places that Whitlock character mentioned last night. I mean, he was, as I say, he you could see yourself. He'd had a lot to drink. I, I'm not sure I could believe anything he said, but he said he wanted to know more. Just have a look at the Diaz vault. Okay. Well, maybe there's a list of deceased family or there'll be something of use. Sure, it might just reveal, uh, you know, the relative wealth of the family, that kind of thing. Well, let's have a look. All right, let's go. I know, not on the horse. A pair of coconuts. No. So you head into the chapel and inside it's eerie and silent. It really does seem like the locals don't frequent this place very much. And in the in the entrance hall are two open staircases leading up to the bell tower and there's the altar at the front and there's two curtains on on either side leading to the east and west wing of the chapel yeah okay well it's a vault it's got to be on the ground floor right you'd have thought so yeah okay well i take the right side you take the left side well yeah that seems like a reasonable suggestion i can be reasonable <laughs> so we do wander down to each side of the the chapel, I guess. Okay, and you look in both, behind both uh, curtained-off areas. There's nothing in the west side, but perhaps, Gilbert, when you draw the curtain aside on the east side, you actually find a bent old man reading a book at a desk, and he, he looks up at you with his vivid green eyes beneath a shock of white hair, and he says, What can I do for you, my son? Oh, excuse me. My companion and I were just looking for the uh, the Diaz vault. We're uh, amateur historians. Mm. That's right. Very amateur, you know. I just understand there is significant family here. I like to... I'm a firm believer in important families uh, dedicating themselves to a life of Christian worship. And I'd like to see the vault, if it's possible. Ah, oh, yes, son. Yes, my... Yes, my son, the, the Diazes are indeed a most a most devout family going back many centuries, yes. So devout they have their own vault, uh, more close to their residence. Uh, you, you will not find the Diaz here, no. Oh, is that so? No, you will not find the Diaz here. Oh, I understand. I, I didn't catch your name. My name, I am Father Vieja Pereira. Ah, so, uh, Father... 
Pereira. You got any services coming up? I'm a, something of a Christian myself, and uh, it's been a while out in the road. Oh, it is a very sad, very sad. Most of the people in the, in the town, they prefer to go to Mogollon. It is uh, 20 miles away. They prefer to take the mass there, you see, and it is a terrible shame. I, I of course, every Sunday will do the mass for anyone that wishes to come, but it is often just me and God, of course. And he crosses himself and looks up. So uh, could I do a psychology role on him to see whether whether he seems like he is a like a genuinely sort of devout man whether he he's he's presenting himself as if he's a humble you know a humble priest who's sad that he doesn't really have much flock left i'd just like to find out whether that really is whether he's hiding anything okay so it's a bit general you can you can make a psychology role sure go for it okay before i do something reckless oh christ yeah not that reckless don't worry. okay psychology it's not great yeah he seems utterly genuine great in which case i sort of turn i turn to um i'd say uh, hang on did i did i pass that oh no i didn't no you oh. rolled an 80 <laughs> but i was looking at the roll above <laughs> oh no oh, okay that isn't helpful i mean of course you can always try and push the roll or spend luck if you wish to really be sure but he seems like a a very kindly old man uh, maybe with a little mischievous twinkle in his eye uh, but well, I'm going to... Hmm. But you can make an intelligence roll, an idea roll first, before you decide what, what to do. Great. I mean, basically, I'm trying to decide whether or not to mention his potential relation, who's the, one of the um, missing persons. But I'll give you an intelligence roll in case it's going to tell me strongly not to do that. <laughs> Let's see. Intelligence. This was the person that sent the letter to David Lane. It was from Father Vieira Pereira, Alonso Vieira Pereira. I feel like for Jesse in that moment, he's probably feels the need to check in with Harlan before launching into his own variation of investigation. But we'll see how it goes. Can you remind me the order of in which people went missing? This priest had written the letter to David Lane after. So it was Vieira Pereira went missing on the 28th of September, Godfrey on the 16th of September, and... David Lane on the 18th of September. So all pretty close to each other. But Vieira Pereira was the last one to go missing. And David Lane was the first. No, Godfrey was the first. And the missing Vieira Pereira, his first name was? His name was Joaquin. So let's assume we all have all of that info, I guess. Yeah. So in which case, maybe I say, um, we're actually here looking for a, an associate of ours. I'm looking for... Um, a Godfrey, I keep wanting to say Godfrey Bloom. That's not his name. William, William Godfrey. <laughs> <laughs> William Godfrey. This was his last known whereabouts. And maybe that's the point at which I push the psychology role. Okay. Go for it. Okay. Hit that. Here we go. Ooh. Well, you gambled and it paid off. You got a success. And he says, my son, why would you come to my church looking for this man? It, as you can see, uh, this is a humble house of God. I do not know the goings-on of all the visitors to this town. No, but, you know, if someone's in a hard place looking for soccer, they might come to a church for refuge, you know? So, you haven't had uh, any outsiders come in for mass, or...? As I say, 
sometimes it is just me and God. I think maybe it's fair to say that uh, we've had a slightly uneasy feeling since stepping foot in this town. And, uh, well, Jesse and I were looking for a friendly face. And we thought maybe this is where we might find someone we could trust. Someone maybe who's experienced the loss of their own. And he gives you a, a very broad grin, his yellowing teeth outlined by his dry, cracked lips. And he says, of course you can trust me. I am the priest. Horrible. And Gilbert, yes, you, you get the distinct impression <laughs> that he knows a lot more than he is letting on. He must do. Yeah. Well, that's going on. I might just say, uh, hey, you mind if I have a quick look up in the belfry? How are the views? Oh, they are very beautiful views. Yes. By all means, go up there. You will see. It's a small place, right? Uh, well, the town, yeah. No, I yeah. mean, the place itself, the chapel. The... Yes, yes, it's... Yeah, so it wouldn't take long to, like, jog up and... No, no. He says, please, take in the view. I am sure you will find it invigorating. Great. I'll see you in a minute, Mr. Gray. Sure. And as Jesse heads to the stairs going up to the bell tower, the, the priest says, Son, I, I see that you are not entirely well. Your pallor is somewhat greying and yellow. Would you like to send your praise to God with me? Come near with me. Ugh. I grit my teeth and I say, Sure, sure, why not? It's been too long. And as I do so, could I glance at the book that he's reading to check? I'm hoping it's a Bible. Well, okay. funnily enough, it's not. No, I see. <laughs> that should have been the first thing I did. Fish and grey, getting all the goods. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't appear to be a Bible at all. It's not in Latin or Greek. It seems to have some kind of strange symbols on the side. Great. Uh, say, what are, what are you reading there? <laughs> And he's looking up, seeing Aklo for the first time. D20 sanity last night. Do you have any occult skill? I don't think you probably do, do you? Well, five, I've got five. The best. Well, you can make it. I mean, why not? Give it a go. Give it a go. What's the worst that can happen? Hey? You've got as much chance of a fumble. <laughs> Sorry, I have to reload my character sheet every time. Yeah, exactly. As much chance of a fumble as a success. But that's, that's the, the kind of odds I like. <laughs> well. Not a fumble at least. Not bad. I mean. Not for, I mean, you, you, 28 out of 5. I do have a lot of luck, but I don't think I want to spend it. No, no. I mean, I think I really don't want to spend it. And he it. puts the book down on his desk and he beckons you to come and kneel in front of the altar with him. I do. Okay. And so you you find some spiritual peace with Father Alonso Vieira Pereira. I don't. Or you don't, as the case may be. However, up in the bell tower. So you head up to the bell tower and... Just below where the bells are hanging, the stairs open up into a hexagonal room with strange slit-like windows. The atmosphere in the tower chamber seems thin, as if you're very high up on a mountain, but clearly you're not. You're finding it a bit hard to catch your breath, perhaps. And there's a strange resonant sound to your footsteps as you, as you climb. And... The first thing that strikes you as you enter the chamber is a rather horrible statue carved from basalt in the middle of, of this room. It depicts a distorted human figure wrapped partly in a shroud with a sickle in its left hand. 
and the right hand points out of one of the windows directly southwest and just the shock of seeing this thing which maybe the f- at first you thought it was a black shrouded figure when you came up the stairs and you're you caught your breath you will need to make a sanity roll for seeing it yeah fair enough 88 lovely it's just maybe you cry out involuntarily when you see it in, in shock and then you realize to your relief that it isn't a sickle wielding maniac. <laughs> maniac. It's it's actually just a statue. You do lose one point of sanity for seeing it, but uh, after your heart returns to a normal rate, you can perhaps get a closer look at it if you wish. Yeah, I'd like to. I sort of calm myself and I'm like, "Come on, Jesse, come on." It's just those crazy Catholics. They got all those catacombs and stuff, you know. Just don't pay. smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors, right? What do we got here? And I, yeah, I'd like to give it a little circle. And just see if there's anything written on it. Because I, I don't really know religion, you know, except for, like, you know, you get the old Bible bashers coming around, but, like, I don't think he's ever really been in a proper church. Hmm. Well, I mean, from what you know of Christian iconography, this is nothing... Pretty out there. There's nothing Christian about this statue at all. It's, if anything, it, it looks like something you'd see in a horror novel uh, in, the, in, the, in the basement of the cult. Juju House... Oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So there's nothing really that you can glean from 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 the way it's carved or or even even its form. It's it's just horrific. But it is very clearly pointing directly through the southwest window towards. Uh, well, I mean, maybe you you look along the the eye line of or the, the the line of sight of where it's pointing, and it just seems to be pointing to a, a thickly wooded hillside somewhere outside of town. Onto the towards the southwest. Well, there was all this talk about people coming down from mountains and people going elsewhere from that. Okay, well that's interesting. I'll make a mental note of that area. My navigate's all right, so I reckon I'll be able to maybe keep that in my head. Yeah, I mean you you take a bearing on it, and maybe you line up a couple of the buildings and a tree or two, or, you know, one of the larger trees, and yeah, you, you could you reckon you could quite easily find the approximate location of where it's pointing to. I'll also let you make a listen roll at this point while you're up there in this strange, thin atmosphere. Yeah. Here we go. Mm. Ah. Yes, that's a success. And at first, you're not sure whether it's just something strange about the atmosphere or it's just your imagination. But you fancy that you hear this whispering, like someone is chanting a strange litany, but... Something about the thinness of the air up here—you can't tell where it's coming from. It doesn't seem to be coming from any from anywhere, really. It's just there, just at the edge of your hearing. So I can see the whole room, right? And it's just bells above me. Bells above, yeah. And the staircase down below, and the strange statue. And maybe you look around, seeing if there's another room somewhere. I get closer to the statue. There's no increase in volume, or no. As I said, it's so quiet. Yeah, maybe I'm just imagining it. When you breathe out, you can't hear it. You have to like hold your breath and okay to to hear it. It's so quiet. Okay, I think you know what would the point of sanity last? And uh, all of this, this is getting a bit much for me now. And uh, whatever's going on downstairs, that priest ain't who he says he is. So I better get bed down there quick. So you head down and you see Gilbert on his knees next to the priest. <laughs> I was gone for two minutes. <laughs> priest on his knees next to him. <laughs> oh right, well that's all right. <laughs> Sorry, they're next to each other. He's not giving him the communion wafer quite yet. 
Okay. As long as we're clear. And uh, yeah, you you return having had that slight shock up there in in the tower. Yeah. Hey, father. Oh, what is it, my son? Yeah. What branch of uh, Christianity are you from again? Oh, how can you ask such a question? I assumed something, and maybe I was wrong. We we are Catholic, of course. Like all people of my descent, uh, my heritage. That statue up there in the belfry, what saint's that? Oh, I, I, you, you saw it. I perhaps should have warned you no, uh, before you went. It it could... Uh, yeah, I nearly shot myself. Dios <laughs> mío. <laughs> Pardon the language, but I mean, come on. you got to warn a guy if there's a, a deformed, side-wielding, swaddled freak up there. I admit, it is not a, a, a statue you would see in a in most churches. That is why we, we put it up there in the bell tower and not have it here in the in the main chapel. Not showing it off, it's just... Yeah, right, okay. It is an object of historical importance to us, you see. It, it was brought here in the 17th century by Bernardo Diaz himself, the founder of our town. Really? Interesting. Okay. Verdad, indeed, indeed. I am terribly sorry that it gave you such a fright but a big man like yourself you'll be scared of your own shadow no? yeah <laughs> uh, anyway uh, we better be getting out of here I think Mr. Gray you uh, you done kneeling? yes yeah I, I, I think so I, I feel much better I feel uh, more more confident about William's soul or something like that well my children Vaya con Dios, he says, with with another yellow-toothed grin. Yeah. Gracias, señor. Yeah, same to you. Arrivederci. Yeah, okay. Well, perhaps you both exit your various establishments at the same same time and meet each other in the town square. Yeah, there's something fucked about that church. That's all I know. You should have seen the state of the statue up there. Yeah, yeah I couldn't have put it better myself, Jesse. Jesus Christ. Well, not Jesus Christ. That weren't no Bible he was reading in there. Well, I'm not surprised. You should have seen the thing in the belfry. There's like somewhere between a grim reaper and a, I don't know what, a ghost. And there was some weird chanting. I needed to get out of there. Oy. Yeah, that guy. Oh, Blake. That's the other thing. Vieira Pereira. It's the father. It is the guy that uh, Lane got the letter from. Welcome Vieira Pereira's father is up there at the chapel. Oh, the, the priest, I mean. The priest? That's his name. Was the father a priest? Let me just get this straight. The father is the father. Is that what you're saying? I've confused things. I'm confused. So the pre- you said the priest sent a letter to Lane. Is the priest also Joaquin's father? I thought he was another relative. I'm, I'm just still a bit shaken. Tell me about your mother. Hey, you stay out of it, Fleischman. Listen, well, I shouldn't have said father. I look at fish and I raise both eyebrows. Right. All I'm telling you, Blake, is that... Okay, forget the letter. I was, that was just backstory for color, and it confused things. The priest down there is the same name, the same family. Do, do you understand me? Same family. Yeah. He sent the letter to Lane. No, he did send the letter. Don't forget the letter. I feel that's vital, important information. Yeah, that's the guy. That's what I'm trying to say. You you explain what you found, Gray. I've, I've lost the plot. <laughs> I'm, I'm not comfortable out here in the street, and I, d- I don't think Fleischman is either. Oh, yeah, God. Is he still looking paranoid? Let's head back. Maybe we can uh, go to one of our rooms and have a little conference. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the paranoia has worn off by now. Well, I mean, as much as it as it ever could. Does it ever really? Yeah. Okay, so you're you're heading back to to one of the rooms to have a bit of privacy, then, yeah? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. 
put it this way: I, uh, you may be um, looking at occult books in the, in the, in the tomb there, but the priest looked to me like he was holding some kind of occult book right there in the chapel that was not a Bible. Yeah. Oh, really? Did it look like either of these? And I pulled the Latin book and the book of poems out of my bag. Boom. <laughs> a flourish. Did it look like either of those? Or was it completely different? It was completely different. It was completely different. Ah, I put them back in my bag. Say, was that, that was that book in Latin? Oh, yeah, but it's the pictures that matter. I don't want to look at it again, yet. Oh, I see. I mean, you could offer it to the others to look at if you, if you were that way inclined, but... As you can see, I say opening it, <laughs> passing it, showing it, holding it up. As he says that, I say, did you pay for that? I didn't see you pay for that. What, are you a detective? You're going to. So do we all have to roll sanity for seeing the appalling images? I don't want to look at that. I'll give you a chance to look away as you see the, the disgusting nature of the first plate, which shows what, something that looks like a cardinal from a Catholic church sitting down to a meal of barbecued babies. Oh, are we dodging or are we... I will allow you to avert your eyes, if you wish. Yeah. <laughs> Fish at this moment has got the ledger out and is looking through that. And I think it's just going to have an ill-timed look up to see what the hell's going on. <laughs> yes. Christ Fleischmann, put it away. Jesus. Grotesque. Why would you want to take that? Did you buy that? Why is everyone so concerned all of a sudden with whether I have paid for a book or not? I have the means. I'm a fully qualified psychiatrist. I'm just concerned about us looking legit. Sorry, Gray. Are you all working for my wife? Tell her she'll never get the money. Listen, listen, Fleischmann. Remember, you're Austro-Hungarian Archduke or some kind of... Uh... Yeah, well, I'll tell you what about Austro-Hungarian Dukes. They never pay for anything. They do not carry cash. All right, all right. Let's just get in the hotel, get to a room. That's good, though. I like that. We can work with that. That's clever, Doc. So you head back to the Herrera Hotel and up to, well, whose room are you heading to? Who's got the biggest room? The stable. I think that would, of course, be Dr. Fleischmann. Be Fleischmann, yeah. Fleischmann got the, yes, the, the honeymoon Imperial suite. suite. <laughs> the honeymoon suite. The Grand Duke suite. Come with me. I have not even had chance to peruse the poems, but I can assume there will be challenging verse indeed. Sounds great. So... A few minutes later, you're, you're up in Fleischmann's room, sitting down with your ill-gotten gains. So, what did you guys pick up? Well, I kind of helped myself to the ledger for the business, because I, I caught a little glimpse of Dr. Godfrey's name in there, and I just wondered who else this guy's been doing business with. Yeah. Well, he was lying about that, was he? He definitely was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, good lift. Good lift. It's good work, Fish. Let's have a look, then. So you, you open up the ledger and look through it, and indeed there, let's say on the 10th of September, six days before he went missing, there's an entry for Dr. William Godfrey. Does it indicate whether he went there in person or whether this was mail order? It was certainly in person because the, the mail order entries are, are indicated as such. So, yes, he was there in person. And he bought the book. So looking at this, Doc Godfrey came down to Castro Negro, bought this book at the tombs, took it back to Albuquerque, then, what, came back down here and disappeared again? That's what makes no sense. We're barking up the wrong tree. Did 
maybe these disappearances have nothing to do with each other. Maybe Godfrey got mixed up in something else, and uh, I don't know, sir. Oh God, maybe he's just away on holiday. Seems like a big coincidence. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, wait. But the article in the newspaper, and I, I take the newspaper out, and I says he says he went missing right on the way to Las Cruces. Just because he was from Albuquerque doesn't mean he disappeared there. Am I right? True. That's right. True. Now listen, gents, gents, I've got my fella, Mr. Lane. He was looking to be in contact with some fellow who was interested in the occult history of the Apaches or some such. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know anything about that at the time, but this all starts to look a little bit like it's connected. Any entries for Lane in the lodger? To this reading of strange books. Yeah, we got we got David Lane there. Yeah, let's go through the ledger and look for Lane. You go through the ledger, spend maybe an hour going through, meticulously combing through it. Uh, there's no entries for Lane. Adam, Adam Little? No entries for Adam Little either. But the thing that strikes you is that there's multiple entries, as he mentioned, for the library, for the town library. There's also numerous entries for Bernardo Diaz. Uh, okay. So that's like the founder, right? But not the founder. It's just like... Yeah, this is the family. Obviously, the, the owner, the resident of the Casa del Diaz up on the hill there. You would estimate that maybe maybe half of all the entries are actually for Bernardo Diaz. The wow, okay. Oh, it seems to be quite the collector. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I know we all got a funny feeling about this town. I got more than a funny feeling about this town now. I mean, that priest, if he calls himself a priest, he's reading a book that ain't the Bible. That church ain't a Christian church. There's a mad statue in it pointing out to the hills. There's all this sacrificial stuff in these pages you found. And there's talk of people going elsewhere for their religion. And I don't know, man. I'm, it's, it's getting under my skin. I'm thinking Wendigos. You guys know about the Wendigos? It's all a bit much. No. Easy there, Jesse. Easy. Yeah, I know. Don't I know. go spooking the horses, right? Don't go spooking them. You hear a whinny coming from Shatterhand. Sorry, Shatterhand. Outside the window. I'm okay, I'm okay. Should have left him in a stable. God damn it. But hang on, didn't you fellas go to the church to find out about the Diaz vault? You seem to have learned all sorts of other stuff. Did he find the vault? Hang on, yeah, wait a minute, Fish. We'll get to that. We wanted to spend an hour looking at the ledger first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I completely forgot why we'd gone there in the first place. One thing at a time. So, the Diaz is... One thing for an hour at a time. <laughs> they don't keep a vault in the chapel. That vault is... Well, he said they keep it closer to home. Yeah, like I say, these rich fellows, they always bury their dead on their own property, don't they? Yeah, sounds like you were right. Yeah, I hate, I hate to say you were right, Fish, but on this occasion... If only you'd listen to Fish. I know. <laughs> don't you start. That disembodied voice. <laughs> Is that you, God? <laughs> so I'm going to say that, Fleischmann, obviously you, you're interested in this poetry, but while, whilst this conversation is going on, you've been leafing, leafing through the book of poetry, The Dark Angel's Kiss. Oh, God, he's got to have another fucking bat of madness, isn't he? Oh, stop picking up books. Someone's got to read them. It makes the most sense for the most mentally, psychologically damaged person to keep reading the books until they're spent. Otherwise, we're all going to suffer. <laughs> you are our lightning rod. It seems to be filled with hints and allusions to some ancient and dark religion, to unknowable gods from beyond space and time. And you do gain 1% of Cthulhu Mythos from reading these awful poems. And you do also lose some more sanity. <laughs> so, so roll a d3. So roll a d3, please. Uh, here we go. 
This is a D6 I'm rolling. Yes, yes. Again, just, just a single, a little tickle. But it's so good that you're indefinitely the same because you're about to have another bout of madness <laughs> while sitting in the hotel room. So so hit that real-time bout of madness button. We all want to see it coming. <laughs> uh, well, physical hysterics or emotional outbursts for seven rounds. You're incapacitated from laughing, crying, screaming. Why don't you tell me that, that the last poem that you read that sends you into this bout of hysterics? I think I read a poem called the Insipid Truth, it's what it's called. And <laughs> the savage press of water in tonight. That's the first line. That was the first line. I didn't mean to send it so soon. I was building, I was building. And it starts off, while they're having their conversation about about everything they've been talking about, it starts off in the background, just very soft. Such a terrible grasp of form. <laughs> ah, ah, no, it's terrible. It's terrible. And then suddenly I'm on my feet and I'm pacing up and down the hotel room, just sh- shaking the book. This is the worst poem I have ever, ever read. Fucking hell. <laughs> Black. <laughs> How many adjectives must this cretin use? Dr. Fleischman, get a hold of yourself. Why can't you just speak in plain English? Fish, fish, is this ordinary for these Europeans? You know these types. Yeah, you know what it's like with these highly strung noble types. Yeah, the, the aristocracy is all the inbreeding. Listen, he's becoming a bit of a liability. Is there anything we can do? Maybe we should tie him down. Strung like a racehorse. I throw the book across the room. And then I run and go and pick it up again. What's he doing? He's run at what? Mr. Gray, you're a chem teacher, right? Haven't you got something you could dose him with? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Don't forget to put it up his ass. He likes it that way. <laughs> maybe I go for Fleischmann's bag and root, start root, rooting through it. See if I can find some sort of sedative in there. Just some weed or something. While he's ranting and raving. Oh, I've got sedatives. I've got bromide in there. So you go over to his bag, you open it, and at that precise moment, you hear the crack of a rifle shot and the window shatters in your room. And... Involuntarily, you all just dive for cover instinctively. And when you gingerly lift your heads up, you see a bullet hole in the door. Hmm. Maybe just a, a stray bullet from someone no. hunting or something. Is it clear whether that's an exit wound? Like, as in, does it come through the door and out the window or in through the window and into the door? It came through the window from the far hills. From the far hills, the direction of the fire. Someone must have been hunting grouse or snipe or something i would imagine i think the first thing before anything else is to switch that bloody light off (laughs) so lionel you crawl over and flick the light switch with your heart pounding in your chest my first instinct is to like raise my rifle onto the windowsill look out and just see if i can see anything that it might have come from i'm saying fleischman fleischman get a hold of yourself Keep the noise down. Keep the noise down. Stay down. That could be a that could be a Springfield. And I try and stick a stick some uh, like see if I can get a syringe of sedative into him. As you're doing that, when your face is close to mine, I say, you know, it's fish. It's fish. He knows that I stole the books, and he's in cahoots with the owner. <laughs> It'll be the owner down there. They know about the books. They want the books back. <laughs> your books are shit. Shh. Shh. Just closing his eyes. And Jesse, yes, you just instinctively reach out to the right and, and there it is, the comforting feeling of the stock of your rifle and you put it up onto the window sill of the shattered window. Lick my thumb, get a shine on the end and one eye over. One eye over, you look. And is it maybe a spot hidden or is it... Mm, no such luck. 
no, there's no visible sign of anything. The, judging by the uh, the angle that the bullet came in, it almost definitely came from above. Definitely came from above, because it lodged itself quite low in the door. It fell. So, yeah. or it came from those hills about a quarter of a mile away. And are those hills the same ones that the statue was pointing towards? No. No, no, this is in another direction. This is in, in a sort of more northerly direction. Where'd it come from? Where'd it come from, Jesse? So over there, those hills. I don't know, it could just be a hunting accident, I guess. A stray bullet, but uh, I don't know. Hunting accident, my ass. Sure, and I'm the Pope. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to scrabble up against the window, against the wall, obviously. And uh, I've, I've got the gun out, just for, for security, really. Just with the sense of steel in my hand. I think we we got to assume that we're not safe here. For God's sake, Fleischmann, stay down. Why don't you tell them the truth, Fish? Tell them what you did. Oh, I'm going to have to up the dosage. Yeah, yeah, whatever you say, Doc, whatever you say. Ah, ha, ha, you admit it. It's the bromide you want to give me, <laughs> I say, gesturing to the bag. And then you hear footsteps running up and then uh, along the corridor and the banging on the door and uh, Juan Herrera's outside saying, What happened? Did someone let off a firearm? I, I heard a gunshot. There's a hole. My God, there's a hole in the door here. What's going on? Stay back. Someone tried to shoot. Someone tried to shoot into this room. Herrera, stay back. You better come down. I, it ain't safe. And he unlocks the door and he says, Come on, get out of there. What, what's going on? Have you been getting in any kind of trouble? What, what's going on? Can I do a psychology read on him to try to work out whether he's putting this on or not? Yeah. Yeah. Is he really out of breath and carrying a rifle? Tells. Little, little tells. And he smells of cordite all over. Yeah. <laughs> Right, yes. Fish, of course, you can make a psychology roll. Hey. Oh, 55 out of 60. Yes, all good. Yeah, he seems genuinely surprised and scared as he's trying to urge you to come out of the room. Or something. Stay back, stay back. The rest... Fish. No, f- fellas, I think he's got the right idea. We're sitting ducks in here. Let's find somewhere... somewhere away from a window. Yeah, sure. Good idea. He says, come down. I'll go and get the sheriff. No, 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 no need, no need. Well, why not? I mean, you, someone just took a crack at you. Uh, we got a, we got a member of the Crown Principality of the Austro-Hungarian Empire in this room. These are assassins. Uh, I have no doubt of that. Let's just head down. It could become an international incident if we're not careful. Let's just head down. We can talk about it real safe, real easy. Well, I, I am not sure about that. Someone shot at one of my guests. I can't just ignore it. Well, listen, it's it's not on you. We ain't going to ignore it. We ain't going to ignore it, no. Mr. Brown and I will deal with it. That's right. Oh, uh, are, you, are you sure? Uh, sure, Mr. Brown got a bead on uh, who shot from uh, up yonder on the northern side there on the hill. Bullet came down. That could, That's as clear as to you as it is to me. Oh, up, up on the hill? Yeah. Anything up that way? Well, okay. He looks nervously hmm. out the window up towards the hill as he's ushering you out and he says... Oh, well, the, the, only the, the old Diaz place, I, I guess. Well, maybe it was an accident. Someone discharging a rifle. Hunting, maybe. Oh, I, maybe. Uh, let's hope so, anyway. Yeah, I think we should assume it was an accident, I say, taking out my thirty-eight and checking it for rounds and shutting it. I giggle quietly and say, there are no such thing as accidents. Freud teaches us that. <laughs> And so you, you go down into the onto the ground floor, away from the windows, uh, and Herrera goes over over to the nearest windows and shutters them. Uh, and he says, I, "I think it's best if we, uh, well, you know, keep it this way for, for a while." I, why would someone shoot at five strangers? 
I don't understand. Well, that's a very good question. Yeah. You don't need to worry yourself. I mean, if it was deliberate, it was clearly us thereafter. So any other guests or yourself, you know, you're clearly not the target. We are. But, uh, yeah. It's uncomfortable. We'll have to assume it was an accident, but we should go up to the Diaz place and check it out anyway. Oh, uh, are you sure? Uh, well, well, we certainly don't want to get you in any trouble, so... Yeah, I wonder whether this is uh, this is our opportunity to introduce ourselves. Maybe right, you know, that's good thinking there, Gray. Maybe I should go and talk to Mr. Garcia, is it? Mr. Fred Garcia? Do I have that right? The sheriff? I take a little notepad out, and I, I look down at myself, and I suddenly realize that I'm covered in the dust and detritus of glass and wood... And I, my hand starts to slightly shake, and I say, I have Fred Garcia written down here, and I tap it with my pen. Yeah, is he the sheriff here? He's the lawman. He's the lawman around here. Could you take this notepad from me? Thank you. And I start to get some brushes out, and I start brushing things off me, and I start to take my jacket off, and I start to brush that down. Oh, God. <laughs> and then I take my hat off, and I start to brush that down. Well, uh, Mr. Garcia, well, you, you'll see. He's, he's not the most friendly of folk. I don't need friendly so long as he's good at the law. You mind if I take my boots off? I'm going to take my boots off. You happy with me taking my boots off, gentlemen? I'll take my boots off. Blake, you just do what you got to do. I sit down and I take my boots off and I start brushing them. Say, this uh, this Fred Garcia, what sort of a relationship does he have with the Diaz family? Well, uh, look, the Diazes, they really run the town. And uh, Gus... Yeah, I'm beginning to get that picture. The Diazes run the town. I just want to know, is Garcia He's going to help us out or is he just another Diaz stooge? Look, uh, everyone tries to make, get by the best way they can, sir. That's what color are this guy's eyes? Brown, and he's got blonde hair. Uh, I say, why is it the Herreras don't run this town, Mister Herrera? As I've got one boot stuck on one hand, comically with my socks, no jacket, waistcoat showing. Give me a polish. He says, it's just the way things have always been done round here, Mister Blake. Just the way things have always been done. time again and as usual i wanted to thank all of our backers at all levels we can't do the show without you well we could but it wouldn't be anywhere near as good because with your support and help we can do all of the extra things that we want to do i also want to thank all the players who i realized i haven't really been thanking in our thanks section so thank you to all the players i love you all dearly and I hope that we can continue doing Grizzly Peaks far, far into the future until we're old and grey and can't remember what happened in the last session. Actually, I think that kind of applies to me already. But for the rest of you, you'll get there soon. Don't worry. And if you do like our show, which I assume you are if you've listened all the way to the end, then do come and join the fun at patreon.com forward slash Grizzly Peaks. Look forward to seeing you there. <laughs>